Hey, welcome to the Reaching Forward podcast. We're in Bible study. If you have your, your Bibles and you want to click, swipe, move over to Galatians chapter 3. We're dealing with the vision of freedom. And in chapter 3 specifically, we're going to deal with the blessing of freedom. Let's pray. Father, have your way in this Bible study in Jesus' name. It's good to be in the house of God, in the Word of God. At least I'm in the house of God, but we can all be in the Word of God together. A police chief got word that an angry woman had beat up her husband and six adult male children. The chief was shocked. Why on earth did she do that? And the officer said, well, because she mopped the floor and they walked on it before it finished drying. So the chief told the officer, well, have you arrested her yet? And the officer said, no, sir, not yet. Chief said, why not? And the officer said, we are still waiting for the floor to dry, sir. The blessing of freedom. The key verse in verse 13 is the blessing of Abraham. The blessing of Abraham. We, we look in verse 14, it said that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. The blessings of the gospel are all found in Christ. In Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. The blessings of God are a real thing, but they're really one promise, and it's all wrapped up in Jesus Christ in your life. And all the blessings come from having Christ in you. Romans chapter 15 and verse 29, Paul says, And I am sure that when I come unto you, I shall come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. People ask me, what, what is New Testament Christian church? It's a full gospel church. Like Romans chapter 15 and verse 29, we want to tell people about the fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that really is the fullness of Christ in you, which is the hope of glory, that you're complete in him, that in Christ comes all of your benefits as a Christian, as a believer, as a human, they come through Jesus. So let's look at verses 1 to 29, and I've already kind of gotten a start, but we'll see if we can get through this together. Galatians chapter 1, or chapter 3 and verse 1, Paul said, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you he said i can't believe you guys he didn't even call them brothers did he but they they were bewitched or they were the, under the influence of something and they didn't realize it like a spell when i had a colonoscopy my wife had to drive me home because you are sedated for the procedure so i felt fine when i got out of the procedure and i was kind of you know, second guessing that I should have had my wife drive anyway. And what doctors know. And if my memory serves me correctly, I got out to go to the back of the car to unhook my daughter from her car seat. And I went to the wrong side of the car. I didn't feel impaired, but evidently 
I wasn't all with it. So you can be under the influence of something and not even know it. The Galatians were under the influence of false teaching, but they didn't feel it. You know, they think, well, I'll know if something's wrong. Well, it, you might not feel it. And they were getting uh, corrected by Paul saying, you're missing the freedom in Christ by going back to the law. So he said this only in verse two, what I learn of you. Receive ye the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are ye so foolish, having begun in the spirit? Are ye now made perfect in the flesh? Have ye suffered so many things in vain, if it be yet in vain? So he has a few questions here. But uh, one of the things he said is, how did you get the, the Holy Ghost? Was it by some work, some circumcision, or simply hearing the gospel? And he said, so if you heard the gospel and you got the spirit, how is the law of Moses going to make you better than what Jesus did through the gospel? And then he says in verse 4, have you suffered so many things in vain, if it be yet in vain? You know, what good is running a race if you quit? They had suffered mockery, maybe lost possessions or jobs or family members had denied them. They carried the name of Christ faithfully, but it didn't do any good if they quit. If you started the race for Jesus, you might as well keep going. Just like John Aquari, and he ran in the 1968 Olympic Marathon in Mexico City. He had fallen in the middle of that marathon and and uh, he had wounded his knee and it hit his shoulder, but he got up and kept running. He finished last, about an hour after the first finisher, and he was the last of the competitors to finish, of the ones who finished the race, of the 57 folks that finished. So when he actually finished, someone asked, why did you keep running? I mean, he, he really lost. <laughs> And he said, my country did not send me 5,000 miles to start the race. They sent me 5,000 miles to finish the race. Ought we not like Christians just say like Paul, I finished my course in Christ. You know, that I may finish my course with joy. Verse 5, he, that, he therefore that ministereth to you the Spirit and worketh miracles among you, Doeth he it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? So Paul said, uh, the Spirit of God that came among you and all the miracles that were you witnessed, did they come by these works of the law? See, there were teachers that were coming in that were trying to get the, the Galatians to go back to the law of Moses to kind of perfect themselves. And Paul was saying, where did all the miracles come from? Didn't come from the law, but from the preaching of faith. In Acts chapter 10, there was this man uh, who is a soldier named Cornelius. And it said he was a devout man. He feared God with all of his house. He gave much alms to the people. And he prayed to God always. There's four things that can't save you right there. And uh, you work real hard for your salvation. You know what the devil will say? Amen! But you see, it's not the working of the law and it's not works that give you salvation. It's Christ. Uh, Cornelius had a vision and an angel said, go get Peter. Send for Peter, the preacher. He'll tell you what you ought to do. So Peter was summoned. 
Peter came. Peter preached, and in Acts chapter 10, uh, verse 44, while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word, and they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles, the non-Jews, also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnified God. Then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water? That these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? Peter said, These people didn't obey the law of Moses, but God filled them with the Holy Ghost. We ought to baptize them in water to show that we accept them because God accepts them. You know that uh, verse 6, it said, Even as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Abraham may have been rich. He may have had a good reputation. But it says he was accepted when, in Genesis chapter 16 and verse 6, when he believed God. He got right with God, not through his position, his power, or his prophets. He got right with God by simple faith. Notice, Abraham believed God. You know, it takes real faith. Faith says, God, I believe what you say. I believe you said Jesus was born of a virgin. I believed he lives a sinless life. I believed he took my sin on the cross. I believe he went to hell. I believe he rose from the dead. You know, that's not reasonable, is it? But faith says, God, I believe your way of looking at things. Normally, that's not really the way that it is, right? It's hard to have this faith. It's not easy. Because just after that, Genesis chapter 16, verse 6, reason popped back in to Abraham in Genesis chapter 17, verse 17. God said, you're going to have a son. And Abraham, in verse uh, Genesis chapter 17, fell on his face and laughed. This is the same Abraham that said, God, I believe you. And he said, in his heart shall a child be born unto him that is an hundred years old, and shall Sarah that is ninety years old bear. I mean, really, God? You see, but faith honors God. You know, and a little faith in something that's true, I have a little faith that one plus one is two, right? Is better than great faith in something that is wrong. Like, I have great faith that one plus one is three. Which one is better? The mustard seed in the right thing. Verse 7. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. Spiritual children, right? Not of flesh and blood. The firstborn of Abraham was Ishmael, but he was not given the blessing. Genesis chapter 21, verse 12, it says, For in Isaac shall thy, shall thy seed be called. Genesis chapter 25, verse 5 and Abraham gave all that he had unto Isaac. Not his firstborn, but the child of promise. And the scripture in verse 8, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. This promise was made 430 years before the law. And he was saying, Hey, Galatians, what's so good about the law? when it came 430 years after the promise. Verse 9, So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. Notice, not with Abraham, but with 
faithful Abraham. Not by Abraham's works, but by Abraham's faith. You see, the Jews looked at the working Abraham, the one who received the circumcision, right? But that happened in Genesis chapter 17. Abraham believed God in Genesis chapter 16. Verse 10. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. There weren't ten commandments. The Jews traditionally say there are about, there are 613 of them, okay? I don't know how they divide them up, but traditional uh, Jews say that there are 613 commandments. 365 negative commandments, those are things you're not supposed to do, corresponding you know, to the days of the year. And then 248 positive commandments, the things you're supposed to do. And those are ascribed to the number of bones in the body and the main organs in the human body. You know, that's a lot, right? Whatever the real number is, you have to do all of them. 613, right? Or nothing. In verse 11, But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, for it is evident the just shall live by faith. And you say, well, preacher, I just don't do anything. I just have faith and don't do anything for God. Sure you do. Read Hebrews chapter 11. They, Abel, uh, the, the, the men and the women of faith that said, by faith, Abel offered. They did their, their, they lived their life, their actions with the right attitude. And you got to start with that right attitude of faith in God. God doesn't honor it. I, I remember an illustration where Billy Graham, he accidentally, early in his ministry, this was a long time ago, he put, I think it was a $20 bill in the offering, and he didn't mean to, he meant to put a one, because he didn't have a lot of money. And at the time, a new preacher, uh, so he leaned over and told his wife what he has done. He had done, right? He meant to put a one, he put a 20 in. And his wife, Ruth, said, don't worry, the Lord will only give you credit for the dollar bill you intended to give. We got to start with the right attitude of faith in Christ before we begin to live our life. Verse 12, and the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. Have you had, ever had a kid with the wrong attitude? Like I asked my daughter to do something and she stomps away. She might do it. But that attitude is wrong. But you see, Christ in verse 13 hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Now, I know that you might think of someone being hung by the neck with a rope, and you say, well, Jesus wasn't hung on a tree like that. No, he wasn't. He was nailed to a cross. But have uh, you ever hung drywall? You don't hang drywall with the rope, do you? you? You nail it to a wooden stud and fix it to that wooden stud with nails. It's called hanging drywall. And in, in like manner, Jesus was fixed or hung to the cross with three nails. For us, it says, Christ has redeemed. He was made a curse for us. He wasn't... A, made a curse for his sin, but for ours. He became the biggest sinner in the world for us. By that, I mean all of the sins of mankind, all of the sins of the world. The Bible says in Isaiah, the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. You know, a lot of us, we like to fix our, our, our lives, but we need to receive Christ because Christ 
is the one who paid for our sins. We don't need to fix our sin. We need to let Christ pay for our sin. We need to put pride out of the way. I remember I offered something to someone a long time ago, and, and uh, they, they said, no, I'm good. And I said, why, well, are you proud? Well, then they accepted it. And the same person a little while later, maybe sometime later, offered me something, and I'm like, no, I'm good. You know, we like to fix things ourselves. And they, they respectfully said, you know, why, you know, pastor, are you proud? Well, I received it. You know, we have to receive what Christ did for us. The Bible said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 24, 21 rather, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. The works of Christ make God righteous in us. Verse 14, here's the key, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. That's the key. Verse 15. Brethren, I speak after the manner of men. Though it be but a man's covenant, yet if it be confirmed, no man disannulleth or addeth thereto. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not unto seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. And I say that the covenant that was confirmed before of God in Christ, the law, which was 430 years after, cannot disannul that it should make the promise of none effect. If you have a last will and testament, that's what God is comparing it to. It's signed, sealed, right, and delivered. And the promise made unto Abraham was 430 years before the law of Moses was given. And the law of Moses can't disannul what God promised to Abraham through the coming of Christ. For verse 18, for if the inheritance be of the law, it is no more of promise. But God gave it to Abraham by promise. Wherefore then serveth the law? Why, why do we have the law? It was added because of transgressions, till the seed should come to whom the promise was made, and it was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator. You ever had older kids? In your family that made a bunch of rules, it was added because of transgressions. The first kid gets away with murder. You know, maybe the last third or fourth kid has a bunch of rules. Well, it was there until Christ came. Verse 20, now a mediator is not a mediator of one, but God is one. See, mediators are set up between two, right? The offended and uh, the offender. And they try to placate one and restore the other. But the Bible said God is one. The promise came from God. In verse 21, is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid. There's a place for the law, right? For if there had been a law given which could have given life, verily righteousness should have been by the law. You see, but the law can't give righteousness, can it? It can only identify the wrong. It can't fix it. Verse 22, but the scripture hath concluded all under sin that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up unto the faith, which should afterward be revealed. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. You know that they had all these laws, but they also had sacrifices in the Old Testament. Because they knew they wouldn't be able to keep them. So a provision was made 
and that blood would provide atonement. Well, all that blood pointed to the blood that not bulls could shed or goats could shed, but the blood of a spotless lamb, Jesus Christ. The Bible said, but after faith has come in verse 25, we're no longer under a schoolmaster. The law couldn't cancel the promise, but faith in Christ can cancel the law. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Jesus in Christ Jesus. Can you notice that? You're all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Would you receive that promise today? For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There's three baptisms, right? Well, there's a lot more than that, but there's three big ones, okay? The first baptism is salvation. Uh... It's called baptism into Christ here. That's salvation. Being born again, becoming a Christian, receiving Jesus. Uh, there's a lot of different terms. And the dynamics are that the Spirit in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 13, we're all by one Spirit baptized into one body. So the Holy Ghost dunks us into Christ. That's what baptism means. It means to be submerged. Then you have the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That's another baptism. Just, just telling you about it. Uh, John the Baptist says, I baptize you with water. But there's one coming after me. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. So Jesus dunks you into the Holy Ghost and you speak in other tongues. That's what happened on Pentecost. And it's the initial evidence that you've been baptized or dunked into the Holy Ghost. Not the same as salvation. And then you have water baptism. Well, what's water baptism? The minister dunks you in to water, submerges you in water as the commandment of Christ is. And uh, the Bible says in John chapter 3 and verse 23, they were baptizing in this place called A-E-N-O-N, Anan, because there was much water there. You could dunk people. Now, salvation, the baptism is into Christ, is the necessary baptism. You need to be saved. You need to give your life to Jesus. And then any good preacher is going to say, hey, you need to get filled up with the Holy Ghost. Let Jesus baptize you with that power that he promised. And then you know what? Let's make an outward show and fulfill the commandment of Christ and we'll get baptized in water. If they won't let you baptize, if you don't have a baptistry, go use the ocean like we do in Florida or go use a swimming pool. We've done that too. And uh, we use someone else's backyard pool. But uh, fulfill the law of Christ. The one that is imperative is you must be baptized into Christ. You must have Christ in your life, which is salvation, becoming a Christian, being born again. The Bible says uh, in verse 27, for as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. That's the blessing of Abraham. And maybe you have run a little bit long. Uh, let's see uh, verse 28 and 29. We've got two verses left. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you're all one in Christ Jesus. Let me tell you, we're coming up on a political season. There's neither Republican or Democrat, nor Green Party. There's neither black or white. There's neither American or foreign. Uh, there's, there's no division. We are all united in Christ, and, and boy, our nation, we can be united in the common cause of Jesus Christ. And if ye be Christ's, then ye are Abraham's seed and heirs according 
to the promise. The Bible says we're joint heirs with Christ. And that means that we need to have this vision of freedom today. The vision of freedom in Galatians chapter 3 is the blessing of freedom, which is told to us in uh, the 14th verse of chapter 3 of Galatians. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Get the blessing of Jesus Christ into your life. All you've got to do is receive Him into your heart. That's the blessing that gives you all your other blessings in life. It's through Jesus Christ. It's the blessing of Abraham. God bless you is our prayer.